0: the pianist, I'm going to read to you the passage for today, which is, which is from Proverbs 8:12 to 21. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I process um, knowledge and discussion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me kings reign, and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me princes govern, and nobles all who rule on earth. I love those who seek me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold, what I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me, and making their treasuries full.
1: I thought was a, that was great tonight. I got I'll be honest, I was in kind of a bad mood this afternoon before I came. Um, my Dolphins lost to the Bills, and my fantasy team got stopped for the second week in a row. So I was not in a good place when I came. Uh, with the worship, really. Uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here tonight. Uh, this is the first time I've been this semester, and uh, I just love being with you guys. Uh, Josiah asked if I could just tell you who I am a little bit, because I see a lot of new faces, and probably for a lot of you, this is the first time you've ever seen me, but uh, well, my name is Dan, I'm one of the pastors here at the church, I have been married now for 17 years, my anniversary was yesterday, that's why I remember that, and uh, <laughs> I have three boys, uh, but it's still good because I can still take them all, um, if they teamed up on me, probably not, uh, but I have boys 13, 10, and 8 now and uh, they're getting big, fast. Um, Right now, I am the pastor of adult ministries, which means I oversee the small groups, the the seminars that we bring in, uh, ACGs, which are Sunday morning groups uh, that meet for learning and community, Uh, and I do a few other things here and there. Uh, But what you might not know is, I've been in that role for about five years. I've been here at the church for almost, well, I guess it's just over nine now. Uh, When I first came, I was the director of university ministries. Uh, so I have this kind of love affair with connection. Uh, I have for, since I, even before I, I came. I came here from Pennsylvania. I was serving in a church there. Before that it was Chicago and the seminary. You might think, oh, well Dan always knew he wanted to be a pastor. Yeah, not so much. Um, matter of fact, there was a time when I said to God, I will do anything but be a pastor. Uh, I grew up in a pastor's home, and quite frankly, I hated it. Uh, So I didn't want to do that to my family at all. Um, So I went off to college, and I declared a political science major. Uh, I was going pre-law. How did I choose pre-law? Kind of a funny story. Uh, I was at church one day, and just kind of feeling, I was a senior, and just kind of feeling this angst over What am I going to do, you know, worry, where am I going with my life, went home right after church, we lived in a parsonage, which means we were just across the parking lot from the church, so I went home, went up to my room, opened up my Bible, and went thunk, put my finger down on a passage, and the passage said something, I can't remember the exact passage, about judges judging rightly. And I thought, that's it. I'm going off and I'm going to be a lawyer and I'm going to judge rightly because that's what the Bible is telling me to do right now. I don't know what I would have done if it had said something about carpentry uh, because I'm really not good at doing that kind of stuff at all. Uh, But that passage kind of connected with something that I was already feeling pretty deeply and that's this passion for justice. Uh, Do you guys remember... Maybe not. You guys would have probably been really young. Uh, The Rodney King story. Black stairs. man, that's just. Okay, go, you know, Wikipedia it, okay? It was a really important kind of set of events uh, in the early 90s. 1991, Rodney King um, was driving in L.A., an African American, was pulled over by uh, L.A. police after a High-speed car chase, and was beaten within an inch of his life. Um, I mean, just over and over, and it was all on video. And the police officers were brought up on charges of excessive force, uh, some other some other charges as well, and they were acquitted. Uh, that sparked riots in um, L.A in 1992, which is when I was a senior graduating and all this kind of stuff was hanging out there. And uh, during these riots, 53 people were killed, 2,000 people were injured, and they estimate between $800 million and 1 billion dollars of property damage was done. And I remember thinking at the time, all of this travesty, all of this tragedy is the result of, frankly, justice being denied. And that just kind of hung with me, and this desire and this passion to see justice done. So that call to be a lawyer and eventually my goal was to go on and be a judge and judge justly, that that was something I held dear. God did have another plan for my life, I did have a poli-sci degree, I took on a Bible minor don't tell people around here, but I did a lot better in my poli-sci degree than I did with my Bible. And my, uh, my, my Bible class, it didn't go so well, but I got over that and did better. Uh, but that, that desire, that passion for justice is something that, if I'm honest, at times has waned, because justice is difficult, and it's sometimes easier just not to think about issues of justice than to care deeply about them. But this semester I've been studying a lot on that theme again. And if we're biblical Christians, it's a theme that we just can't ignore. Because it's everywhere in scripture, especially in the wisdom literature of Proverbs and Psalms and and Job even, it's it's there large. So I just wanted to think with you uh, about three things. Why justice? Why is justice important? How? How ought we pursue justice? And then the third thing is, well, what now? I know where you guys are at, you're in school, it might not seem like you have avenues of pursuing justice, but I wanna think about how even now, where you're at, you can be about pursuing uh, this godly thing of justice. So first, why justice? I'm gonna start by saying, well, The first reason why we ought to pursue justice is because God commands it. And maybe you're thinking, well that's kind of like my parents say, because I said so. And it is. And I understand we kind of wrinkle, wrinkle under that and we want real reasons. That is a real reason. Don't pass over the fact that God commands it too lightly. You know, when my parents would say things like, because I said so, I always wanted to know why. Because I wanted to make sure they weren't capricious. I wanted to make sure they weren't just making something up. They, did, they just had not lost their patience and were just saying something off the top of their head. I wanted to know why. We shouldn't have that concern with God. He's just not making things up off the top of his head. And yet, he's commanded us to seek justice. Let me just give you one instance. It comes from the prophet Isaiah. In this chapter, chapter 1, he said... Early in the chapter, all the stuff you're doing, the sacrifices, the worship, it's vain. It's empty. Because your hearts are far from me, and you're not doing the things you ought to do, which includes pursuing justice. So, in verse 16 of chapter 1, he says Wash your sons, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's case. Uh, That's as straightforward as it can be. It's a command. Seek justice. Give justice to the oppressed. Bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's case. So, point A, if you're taking notes, God commands it. But there are reasons why God commands it. Uh, The first reason kind of behind God's passion for justice is that we are all created in the image of God. From the story of Scripture, you you see that all of God's creation is precious to Him. All of it matters to Him. And so He warns people who abuse the earth, watch out, I'm going to judge those who abuse the earth. And, And one of my favorite kind of, phrases that scripture just drops in there. When Jonah is sent to Nineveh, he says about the, the city of Nineveh, there's lots and lots of people, and lots of cattle too. You go, well, what's the deal, why do you care about the cattle? But he does, it's part of his creation, he cares about <coughs> all of his creation. But above everything, he cares preeminently about humanity. Because humans, men and women, are created in His very image. God says, let us create man in our image. Male and female, He created them in His image. We bear this unique mark that nothing else in creation bears. And it endows with, with a special worth, a special dignity. We're not property, we're not stuff. We're image bearers. That is incredibly weighty. I think we got, we've got we become so accustomed to reading Genesis, we maybe read over that too quickly, but that is profound. We are made in the image of God to reflect something of who God is. C.S. Lewis does a great job of reflecting on things that we just pass over and bringing the weight of them out. One of my favorite quotes, it's kind of long, you're going to have to stick with me, One of my favorite quotes by C.S. Lewis comes in a collection of essays called The Weight of Glory. Uh, This is what he says, reflecting on the the fact that we're all image bearers. He says, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption such as you, if you now met, would give you nightmares. All day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with awe and circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, All politics. This is where it gets good. That was pretty good. This is even better. (coughs) There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, marry snub and exploit, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Lewis puts it, I think, in the proper context. Image bearers. It's image bearers who are suffering injustice, oppression, and that we're called to plead for. So the first reason is we're image bearers. The second reason is that we've tasted grace and because we've tasted grace, we ought to extend grace to others. Again, that's a really common theme in Scripture. You've been forgiven, so now forgive. You've been rescued, so now rescued. You've been freed from the chains of slavery and oppression, now free others. Deuteronomy 10 makes it really apparent what God's program was for Israel. And he says... God defended you, or God says to them, I defended you when you were helpless. I rescued you when you were oppressed. You were once aliens and strangers and sojourners in the land of Egypt. Now, when there's aliens and strangers and sojourners in your land, treat them well. Don't oppress them. You've tasted my grace, now extend it to others. That applies to us as much as it did to Israel. We've tasted the free, saving, redeeming grace of God. And that ought to be a, passed on to others in our society who desperately need it. In scripture, it keeps going back to the followers, the widows, the orphans. And we could add a whole train of ands, ands, ands to that, right? Oppressed, forgotten, discarded neglected. It's the is called to extend God's grace to them in all its forms. Yes, preaching the good news of saving grace, but us as Christians, as individuals, to also work for human flourishing where there isn't now. Uh, the last point under why pursue justice is because it's near and dear to God's heart. Let me just read a few verses that uh, just stick with me. Micah 6.8 eight—it's probably one you've heard or, or read before yourself. Micah 6.8 says, Has he told you, O man, what is good, and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? You ever been in a class where you couldn't quite figure out what the professor was requiring of you? That You had this paper and you didn't know what the requirements were, you know, Well, that's frustrating. God's here making it really clear what's required of man to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. Another passage that stands out to me comes from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah says in chapter 9 Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. You want to please the Lord? Well, he said, I delight in these things justice and love, righteousness. I delight in them. They make my heart happy. Another one comes from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 61 8. Uh, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them the recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I love justice. One more. Isaiah 31, no, I'm sorry, Isaiah thirty-eighteen. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. God doesn't just kind of like justice. He's not, you know, uh, an armchair quarterback when it comes to justice. He loves justice. He hates injustice. He delights in righteousness and justice. So why ought we pursue justice? We're created in God's image. He delights in it. We've tasted grace. We ought to extend grace. And he's commanded it. But what does that have to do with wisdom? Uh, This semester, I I love the theme of this semester. It's about the path to life, which is wisdom. And the passage you heard read connects wisdom and justice incredibly intimately. There's two ways that justice and wisdom meet. First, doing justice is wise. Um, If you're wise, you're going to do justice. Because you know that God will eventually repay those who don't. So if you're wise, do it, okay? But that's not the end of the matter here. You also need wisdom to do justice. How do you do justice? You do it with wisdom. Uh, my dad, growing up, he had all these things he used to say, these kind of proverbs of his own that weren't proverbs from the Bible, but you know, he used to say, this too will pass. Anytime we're going through something hard. Uh, okay, got, got it dead. This too will pass. Uh, one of the other things he used to say all the time is do what's right and let the chips fall where they may. And I want to apply that to justice. Do what's right and let everything else just kind of pan out. Except I don't always know what's right. You ever been in that situation? And you just don't know what the right thing to do is? You don't know what the just thing is. Uh, I'm a parent. It happens to me daily. Uh, my kids are fighting over something, and I step in to intervene and you know rectify the situation. Except I have no idea. I got two different stories going here. Uh, they can't both be true. You couldn't have been on the Xbox first and you on the Xbox first. It's not possible. You know what's going on. Sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes there's deceit at play. You guys, one of my coolest stories, right, of the kings in Israel, remember the story of Solomon and these two ladies, one of the ladies rolled over and slept on her baby, and the baby died in the middle of the night, and she took the other lady's baby and said, no, this is my baby. And the two women came to King Solomon, and they were both saying, no, this is my baby. What do you do? Well, he had a very creative solution. He said, oh, let's cut the baby in half. And you can have half and you can have half. And the woman who screamed the most, well, that must be the real baby's mom. But that was a situation in which I can't imagine being Solomon. The stakes were pretty high, right? That wasn't just who gets the Xbox next. That was someone's child. And you didn't know what the right course of action was. It required an amazing amount of wisdom to come to that right solution. I mean, in our world, it would be nice if the oppressors, you know, all wore a red O, you know, on their jersey. I'm the oppressor. I'm the one who's holding people in bondage. I'm the one who's doing they don't, right? It takes wisdom to discern and to know what's right and wrong. It also takes a lot of wisdom to know how to fix what's wrong. I think sometimes Christians jump on what I have heard called the activist fallacy. And we see something that's horribly unjust, and we say, something has to be done. And the activist fallacy says, something has to be done, this is something, I must do this. And we jump at the first course of action that kind of pops into our mind, and we run after it, and sometimes it's a very unwise solution. The problem is there, but we have to take the time to think through the solutions. Uh, An issue that's kind of come to the forefront of my thinking in the last few weeks as I've been pondering this is the mental health crisis that is just so evident in America now. Uh, Most people who suffer from severe mental illness find themselves in one of two places. I mean, obviously there's exceptions, but many, many, many find themselves homeless and on the streets or in our prisons, which frankly weren't designed to treat the mentally ill. What happened? Well, in the 50s and before that, there was state-run Asylums, mental health institutions, they were horrific, horrific places. And people began to see how horrific they were and said, something must be done. We have to do away with these institutions. That's the fallacy. They're horrible. We have to do something. This is something. Let's do it. And the solution ended up being probably worse than the problem was initially. Don't do that. Pray for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. You see injustices in your world? Think wisely about the solution to the injustice, to the problem. We also need wisdom to, frankly, know our limits. Right? We live in a broken, fallen world and no matter how passionate, no matter how wise, how motivated, how much <coughs> money and energy and time and talent we throw behind issues of justice and injustice, we have to acknowledge that this side of Christ to return, there will always be injustices in our world. And I've heard injustice kind of lack of. Uh, Likens to that whack-a-mole game. Has ever played that at Chuck E. Cheese? You know, you hit one mole and another, I'm doing this in my yard right now, I have real moles in my yard, they are <laughs> driving me crazy. But you hit one mole and another one pops up. You hit that one, another one pops up. You squash one injustice and another one's right there. And you go after that one and another one comes there. We have to be wise to know well, frankly, our limitations. Through the Spirit, we can accomplish tremendous things for the kingdom, including eradicating injustices. But the end of the story and the complete redemption and the elimination of all injustice and oppression, God's going to accomplish that. So we have to be wise and patient as we wait for God to do what well only God can do. And that's set everything right. So how do we pursue justice? You've got to do it with wisdom. It's only through wisdom that you'll be able to determine what's right and wrong, the best path to alleviate the wrong, and it's only with wisdom you'll know your limitations. Okay, so now what? Again, I know we could talk about people like William Wilberforce and... You know, all these great men and women throughout the history of the world who have done fantastic things in rectifying injustices. Great. What about you tomorrow? What can you do? Uh, Let me give you three takeaway things. First, pray. Pray, 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 pray. You know, the first law of real estate is location, location, location. Right? The first law of Fighting injustice is pray, pray, pray. Pray for the wisdom. Pray for the discernment. Pray that God will sustain you through the battle. Pray. Pray for wisdom. Pray for justice. Pray for God to raise up other people who will be passionate about justice. Talented enough to know the right paths. To discern right and wrong. Pray. Do you have to wait till you've graduated with your degree to pray? No. You can do that tonight. You can do that tomorrow. You can do that every day for the rest of your life. Pray. The second one is think. I don't believe we think enough about injustice. I know I don't because it's hard. It's complex. We like simple, we like sound bites. The issues of injustice are big. They're systemic. They're societal-wide. They take thinkers. Think. And don't just think about the big things, think about the small things. Don't just think about who you're going to vote for and their you know, platform for justice. Think about what you buy. Think about How you interact with people on campus. Think about how you, even now, see oppression, see injustice on campus, in town, in your family, in your church. Think. And then I'm going to call you to do. Even now, you can do things. I've been maybe harping too much at how big injustice is. There's not the small injustices that stares in the face every day. Sometimes they're not complex. Sometimes they're not hard. They just take us to do. Some of you are in fields right now where you could have a tremendous impact on the nation, on the world. No matter what field you're in, you have a call upon you. To be whatever you're going to be. A teacher, a doctor, a lawyer. To be a just teacher, doctor, lawyer. To work for human flourishing in the classroom, in the hospital, in the courtroom, in the field of politics. And don't let justice be a side issue. Don't let it be eclipsed by things like success. Those two things might conflict at times. Choose justice. Do justice. Um, in a month or so, uh, ECC is going to have its missions conference, and I'm thrilled about it. Uh, someone from International Justice Mission is going to be here sharing about how the church can participate in seeking justice locally and, and globally. And one of actually the founder of that group wrote several books. One of them is just fantastic. It's called The Good News About Injustice. I'm going to leave you with a quote that uh, is from that book. He said, Unless the work of seeking justice is a category of endeavor that is completely different from every other activity on earth that is important to God, the answer to that how question has something to do with what God's people do Or don't do. In other words, every category of things that God has cared about and has a plan for, his people are involved in seeing that plan to fruition. Evangelism, missions, the kingdom. Justice is no different than that. God wants to see justice established. And this plan includes us. That's a heavy responsibility. But what a cool, cool privilege that we have to be a part of that. That's the call upon us. To wed wisdom and justice and be a part of God's plan to seeing it brought to His world. Would you pray with me? Father, I am just in awe that you would choose to include us. You're your people in your work of bringing justice to the world. Father, you you know how frail we are, how easily we fatigue and get tired and frustrated. You know how much we, frankly, lack discernment and lack wisdom. But you promised to provide us with everything we need to live your life, to accomplish your purposes. You've promised to provide it. Father, I pray you give us the faith to believe that promise and to step out and do justice in our world. Thank you, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.